Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode. I heard of my guest today. It must have been about 12 years ago. Read his books, um, even took some of his courses uh, back in the day. And uh, let me tell you, he's, uh, I just told him before the interview, He's touched my life in ways that he he really hasn't been consciously aware of anyway. And he's touched the lives of, I would say, hundreds of thousands of people around the world through his work, through his books. He's the developer of somatic experiencing, um, a naturalistic and neurobiological approach to healing trauma. Um, and uh, he's the author of a book. The first book I read was Waking the Tiger, also Healing Trauma. And uh, I think we're in for a real treat today i know he has a new book out which we're going to get into and some amazing courses which i want you all to know about so without further ado welcome to soul talk peter levine oh thanks thank you it's great to have you here um i've really been looking forward to the conversation and uh in some ways uh i feel like your spirit's been with me uh mm-hmm. for, for for a decade now <laughs> in, a, in a in a strange way yeah. um I, I love there's so much i want to ask you but i'm i'm also I'm always curious as to what inspired people to pursue their purpose, their mission, their work. I'm mm-hmm. curious what was the inspiration and what led to you doing this work? Was it something in, I'm curious about your childhood. Like, was there something in childhood? Was it parents? Was there a pivotal moment? I'd love to, to start there as we dive in. Well, that is a very complex question. I've asked myself that question <laughs> a number of times and um, how I really found the mission. And and I think the greater truth is about Chiron. And Chiron is from Greek mythology. He's known now as the wounded healer. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really our wounds that take us to where we are. And that was certainly, certainly true with me. Um, also, as a child, even though I experienced tremendous amounts of pretty severe trauma, mm-hmm. there was a part of me that remained indelibly curious, vital and curious. Mm-hmm. And that's this two-year-old part of myself. And in a way, the autobiography is about that return to that magical child who really supported my my growth. I mean, my parents did, even though the pretty horrible things had happened, mm-hmm. such as our our lives being threatened by the mafia. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't an easy childhood, but there was something, and I think it's true of all people, something that's in us that still stays, stays alive, stays 
vital uh, feels this this real this authentic part of themselves, and in a way, um, uh, about three years ago, I really was, as I say, asking myself this these same questions, mm. and so I started writing. Uh, what, what was just meant to be a personal excavation. It was not meant to be a book. And I worked on that and it was a very powerful uh, coming home. I mean, again, it was through uh, many, many uh, adversary and, but still uh, something kept me going, a will to persevere. A, I think it's again, something we all have innately is drive towards wholeness and drive towards healing and so anyhow i i i wrote this again just to be a personal excavation in my later years my twilight years uh, although i still think i have a few good years left uh and uh, a, one a friend of mine close friend uh, uh i she read some of what i had written and she said, Peter, you really have to make this as a book so it can mm. come out and can help people in their own healing journeys. Wow. So, but I, I was really reticent to do it because these parts were pretty vulnerable mm. and had only not only to do with my trauma, but my awakening as a sexual being, as an erotic mm. being. So anyhow, uh, she kept... Uh, on me to 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 really seriously consider writing the book, but I, well, put it mildly, I was conflicted, uh, uh, and uh, and often I get important information mm. from my dreams, and so I had the following dream: I was standing in front of a vast field, and in my hands. I had a sheet, sheets of paper in both hands, and they were obviously typewritten. And I looked at one, I looked to the left, I looked to the right, and again felt not frozen, but um, not just knowing what to go, what where to go, what to what to. You know. And so, in this time of conflict, this wind came from behind me and took all of these pages and scattered them into this vast meadow. And when I woke up, I realized that my dream gave me the answer. And the answer was uh, that it would be, I would release this to those who wish to read it to mm. the, the world. As you mentioned right now, we probably have, in terms of people who are trained now worldwide, 44 countries, uh, that they probably uh, have also come, you know, because of their own healing needs. Mm. So I, 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 I then had the feeling, yeah, I'm going to go ahead with this. Mm. And uh, a few weeks ago, I gave a, my first talk where I talked about some of this stuff to a group of several thousand people called the Evolution of Psychotherapy. And uh, I stood up. And again, I felt like somewhat <laughs> semi-paralyzed. Mm. But I had just read over some of the, the endorsements that 
people wrote about the book, people I know, colleagues, but also other people in the field. And I felt such tremendous support from them. Uh, and then you taking that support, because again, in many areas in my life, my, in my childhood, there wasn't that support. You know, one of the things that I say is that trauma is not so much what happened to us, but rather it's what we hold inside in the mm. absence of that present empathetic other. Mm. And I think that's, again, something that's really guided me in my own healing and in and in the work that I developed. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so that's, in a way, it's my story. Wow. And my commitment to myself was to write the truth and follow that truth. Wow. It's, yeah. Wow. It's and courage. It did. Thank you. Yeah. It, it took courage. It took quite a bit of courage. Yeah. And support. Mm. and support mm. i'm cute wow there's so much i want to ask um for someone can can you just restate because i was going to ask like what is trauma because we hear this word in, yeah, yeah. in our culture now trauma trauma so yeah. you just sort of gave a definition on trauma but if someone were to say okay but, but what is trauma and how do i know i've been traumatized and some folks might say I don't have any trauma. My childhood, is, everything was great. Does everyone have trauma as well? So could you just... Yeah, well, obviously that depends in a way on how you define trauma. Mm -hmm. And trauma as it's used today as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, mm -hmm. it's not about having difficult times. It's about becoming, in some ways... Uh, destroyed that the part that we knew before was gone was annihilated mm. now i i see things rather differently i i see that this trauma goes on a continuum so for example for example um when um well, actually, let me start with how I developed the methodology. Yes, yes. Me, me to do that. So I began my my studies, or my pursuit, in the mid to late 1960s. And that was well before the definition of trauma as PTSD. That would be another 14 years. Wow. And so I didn't have the advantage, I didn't have the disadvantage of thinking that um, trauma is something that happens to us that uh, we can only at best manage with medications and helping people change their negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I was some, discovering something quite different, that when people are affected by overwhelming uh, situations, they, um, they they feel things in their body. So, for example, you go outside and you see somebody's uh, fallen off a bike and been injured, and your guts go ugh, mm. or you're afraid of being hit, and then your shoulders come up to protect yourself. Mm. These are all things that the body does. 
the body informs the mind about its threat level. Mm. And that was the key in developing somatic experiencing, the experience of the body, the soma, the living body, not just the anatomical body, but the living body. And um, in order to really change the impact of these, these develop these and sometimes uh, uh, horrific, but other times just things where we felt betrayed or, or, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, even in, 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 in school, in high school, uh, so many kids uh, and, and especially young women, uh, you know, are, uh, are mobbed. Mm -hmm. They are, uh, you know, uh, they snub their nose at them. Well, I mean, that doesn't seem like much, but it is. But when you're, you know, when you're, you know, 14 years old, yeah. years old you know, it, it really goes inside. Right. But again, the things that go inside are in the body. And we can take a few minutes later if you want to yes. do little exercises so that your, um, that your uh, participants can, you know, use them in, in their life. Mm -hmm. But again, these things get stuck in the body. And that's where we have to look. And at that time, it was a complete radical departure from the way trauma had been looked at before. Mm -hmm. And again, I say trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter what it what causes it. It's um, and it affects many of us to some degree. It affects almost all of us. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, people in the healing profession. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. You were saying that there's a continuum. Can you share a bit more about that that sure. continuum? Yeah. Well, the example I gave you going out to uh, your door and you see somebody hit. Mm -hmm. you know, so you've you got to go, yuck. Uh, and there's a nerve, actually, it's called the vagus nerve that goes from the brainstem down in below the diaphragm to all of the uh, gastrointestinal system, but also to the heart mm -hmm. and the lungs. And so that signals a uh, threat. We, we're hardwired. If somebody we see somebody that's injured, mm. uh, you you know, you, uh, your gut your gut twists, and you have to, for example, uh, uh, medical people that have to work with us all the time, they've learned in some ways to override that, but it's there. Mm. Mm. And the key is in allowing it to complete. Mm. And so in most cases, if you see something like that, you know, you're not going to be carrying it the next day. But if you go again and you notice this person's been seriously injured and you really, your guts really twist up. Mm. Well, you know, you may, when that later that day or, you know, when you're going to bed, you're laying down and all of a sudden you see that image. Right. It's an intrusive image. Yeah. So again, that's the basic thing that happens in trauma is that we get images of of uh, our our uh, our events that have been uh, uh, you know difficult, but more than difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, we can even do this if you want a very short exercise. Yeah. Why don't we do that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, so. Um, so you see this person, then their guts and your guts twist. Mm. Now the vagus nerve is the largest nerve in the body by far. 
And what many people don't know, most people don't know, is that nerve is actually 80% sensory, afferent. So it's taking information from our guts, mm. from our heart, from our lungs, and relaying it up to the brain. Only 20% comes from the brain to the guts, but 80% comes from the guts to the, hmm. the brain. And actually, Charles Darwin, one of my personal heroes, um, he realized that this nerve, he, he called it the pneumogastric nerve, so lung, gut, that this nerve is responsible for his words, gut wrench and heartbreak. <laughs> Wow. It was really extraordinary. So mm. again, how do we change this? I call it a positive feedback loop with negative yeah. consequences. So again, we see injury, we see mm -hmm. threat. Our, our vagus nerve sends these impulses down into our guts, into our organs, and uh, and 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 we we twist. But because this nerve is eighty percent sensory. It's mm. taking all of this information, including the gut wrench, back up into the brain where it's amplified. Mm. And then this builds on itself. And that's what happens, this kind of the runaway situation that leads to trauma that we're holding inside. Mm. Now, again, if that person that was injured was something that was very someone that was very close to us, that's still gonna have that's gonna most likely have a greater effect than if it's a stranger. So the context. Um, is 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 also important. Mm -hmm. So here's a a very, in a way, simple, but but powerful way of working to change that information that's coming from the guts back up to the brain. Mm -hmm. And the idea here is to take an easy full breath, and on the exhalation, letting the sound voo vibrate the sound voo from the belly. Voo, V-O-O-O, to, to let the sound voo come from the belly and just let the breath and the sound go all the way out and then just wait for the new breath to come in, filling, feeling, filling belly and chest. Mm. So I'll, I'll demonstrate it and those of you who wish to can do it. Um, it often brings us uh, uh, feelings of, of re relaxation, of tingling, vibration, uh, uh, those kind of sensations. But it can also bring up air, uh, sensations that may be uh, um, difficult mm. or challenging. So if you if that feels like it's too much, um, just listen to me. So again, the idea is to take an easy, full breath. And on the exhalation, make that sound woo, vibrating from the belly. And the idea here is now you're sending a new message oh. through the vagus nerve that says it's okay. Oh. It's over. What oh. happened is over. Oh. So let me just do this. And then again, those of you who want to participate, please be free or not to participate. Mm -hmm. And I let the breath and the sound go all the way out. And then I let the breath come in on its own, filling belly and chest. And, they, and again. But really feel the vibration in all different parts of your body. Yeah. 
and just let things settle. Just notice sensations, feelings, thoughts, or images that come into your experience. Hmm. Again, this is just one tool. Uh, and uh, as I think you know, in somatic experiencing, there are many, many, many different tools that we work hmm. with. And it's important to find the right tool for the person at that particular hmm. time. Can so you just share a bit more about why the VU and what the VU does uh, for sure. those of us listening, just so we can understand. Okay. Uh, so the VU, you're basically vibrating mm. uh, the receptors, the sensory receptors in our guts, which again are sending the message the message back up the, the vagus nerve. Wow. So when you make the sound, you can really feel the vibration. So instead of gut wrench, you're getting the signal that says it's okay. Oh. It's over now. Oh. So that's the idea. So then, we, you know, in some ways, yes, what trauma is, well, trauma is a significant inability mm. to come to the here and now, to be present. Yeah, yeah. And I think from, for as far as I go, that's the most... Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really, really what what happens in, in trauma, or almost what defines trauma. Mm. You know, is that where? Yeah, yeah. So, if someone, if let's say, if someone is, uh, maybe they've had an accident, or and, and they keep having flashbacks, or yeah. like I don't know, a, a heartbreak, they've been cheated on, and that was traumatic. Yeah, yeah. Can sure. they can can they be uh, using this voo as a way of? releasing this i mean that can be as i said one of the tools one of the tools one of the one of the the many tools got it yeah got yeah, it. you talked about you know allowing things to complete and i'm curious yeah. could you share a bit more about like if we've had a trauma or something is stuck in the body uh, how do we allow it to complete so there's the yeah. voo but are there any other many okay yeah. Well, let me give a personal example. Yes. Um, this is the way I start one of my books called In an Unspoken Voice, How the Body Releases Trauma and Restores Goodness. Mm. So I was crossing the street. This was, I think, 2005. Mm. And there was a truck by the stop sign. Mm. Uh, and But this woman, young lady, a teen, uh, didn't, see, um, didn't see me. And so she came across and hit me in the crosswalk. And I was thrown into the car, into the windshield, and then thrown into the air, and then down onto the ground. Wow. And um, I lay there completely stunned, mm. unable to move. And in a way, um, I wasn't even in my body. It, it, it's called association. I, it was as though I were hovering above my body looking down at this helpless, twisted body mm. and in a way feeling bad for him. And uh, yeah, and again, in an ironic way, in it, mm. you know, um, it's like, it's like you're not, it, you're not that person in a way you're looking yeah. down at that person. So thankfully, mm -hmm. as I was laying there, this woman came by and, uh, <clears throat> 
And she said, um, uh, is there any, I, I'm a, I'm a doctor. She said, actually a pediatrician. Mm. And I remember thinking that's exactly this, the specialty I need right now. Mm. She said, is there anything I can do? And I said, please be with me. And so she sat down by my oh. side and I reached my hand and she took my hand in hers. And in that moment, it's like that part of me that was dislocated, that was up in the air, came down mm. back into my body. And I went through waves of shaking and trembling. And this went on for some time. Mm. Um, uh, I also had images of the car coming across just before it hit me. Mm -hmm. And I could feel my left hand, my left arm straightening to protect my head from uh, being uh, injured from the windshield. Mm -hmm. And then I felt my other hand moving to protect my head as I hit the ground. So in a way, I was thanking my body for doing what it needed to do to protect me. And, and that's not just for this trauma, but for many, many, mm -hmm. many different kinds of trauma that our body really uh, in some ways saved our lives mm. yeah so um so anyhow uh i was in the ambulance and, and when i was there there was a, a off-duty paramedic and he took my pulse and it was about 140 beats a minute you know which is typical when you sustain this kind of a injury and uh in the ambulance, uh, the paramedic was taking my my pulse and my blood pressure. And I asked her, I said, um, can you tell me, can you tell me what it is? And she said, no, I'm sorry, only the doctor can do that. <laughs> and I said, well, I am a doctor. Uh, not a, a complete fabrication, but <laughs> a complete truth. I mean, I did have a, doc well, a couple of doctors. Um, and she, she said, well, uh, something's wrong with the uh, the equipment. Something seems to be wrong. Let me just, you know, do it, you know, reboot it or whatever she did. And again, she said, there, there seems to be something wrong. And I said, well, what do you mean? What is the reading? What are the readings? And she said, well, your pulse rate is 74 and your blood pressure is 120 over 70. Mm. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened? How come you you know your your heart wasn't just racing and your blood pressure spiking high? And I I never miss a time to proselytize, so I told her a little bit about what I was doing in my body. We mm. drove to the hospital, and uh, I said, you know, uh, if you if you're interested, we do have some special trainings for a paramedic. <laughs> <laughs> And so I don't know if she took the, the training, but I hope so. Mm. Um, but again, to be able to reset our nervous system, mm. especially our autonomic nervous system and the vagus nervous part of that, mm. that nervous system, we really need to bring in body to yes. bring awareness. And, you know, again, when I started talking about this in the 60s and 70s, yeah. I received in some ways um, hostility Mm -hmm. you know, how could you say something like this wow you know 
Well, I mean, again, at that time, it was it was radical. It yes, was radical. yes, yes. So um, it's not that way anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, in, oh, over the past decade, I've received a number of uh, 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 Lifetime Achievement Awards. Yeah. Yeah. And the last one I did was from a, the psychotherapy networker, which are mostly traditional psychotherapists, mm. but more open-minded. Mm. And the magazine from that that month showed a, a you know the way these you have a thousand pu puzzles and you put them together. So anyhow, there's this person's body made out of all of these pieces, mm. Mm. and one piece is missing. Mm. And it said, "This is the missing piece. Mm. This is the missing piece. The body accessing the body, mm. being supported by our innate capacity yeah. for resilience." for healing, for wholeness. Mm -hmm. So for, let's say someone's listening, because I'm thinking of some, it's interesting to use that example, because I'm thinking of a dear friend of mine, specifically, um, who went through exactly what you said just now. And, and I'm curious, for someone who maybe has gone through a similar thing, but they didn't have this awareness to ask someone, okay, just be with me, and they didn't have the, the tools, but... Yeah. Maybe a year or two later, they're still experiencing some sort of symptoms of of, yeah, of yeah. the accident, and and it triggers them, and it's manifesting. Like, are there any things specifically that they can do to work with the body? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons, really, I'm doing things like this, this yes. podcast, and another podcast is to hopefully give people some tools yes. that they can take with them. What could they do? Like like, like, if my friend were to be listening and she would, you know, get activated or you know, feel heart racing and, and, right. and you know, like what, what, what are some things that she could do well, to begin? Let's, let's talk about the racing heart. Yes. So when the person reports to me, to me that my heart is racing because they've been touching into some traumatic material, uh -huh. things and somatic experiences we don't go into the trauma over and over ah uh -huh. and that um can be re-traumatizing mm. but we just touch into those sensations and let them move through so if i was with a person and they said their heart was beating or you're just noticing that the question is does the heart does the the beating heart does it still increase mm. does it decrease Mm. Does it stay the same or does it change to something else? So again, this is about evoking some degree of curiosity. Well, of course, if you're in an acute situation like this, it's mm -hmm. it's not so that's not the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> but we still have this this innate curiosity. And I would suggest people practice. So in other words, instead of waiting to get hit by a car, yes, yes. Uh, you know, you're in a situation where it, it evokes some fear, but not an overwhelming fear. And so you notice your heartbeat increasing. So then again, just being with that sensation and also notice your awareness of your hands and your feet, because grounding again is an important uh, component mm -hmm. of, of resolving traumatic reactions. Mm -hmm. And um how important is this, or how not important, you know, 
there's a tendency that we have when we're working on our stuff and traumas and yeah, yeah. It, to tell the story. Mm. You know, this happened, that happened. Yeah. How important is that necessary to heal? Is it necessary to let go? Because uh, sometimes we get addicted to it. So, so what do we right. do with the story? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think many people have the idea that if re they remembered exactly what happened, yes, yes, then the trauma would be gone. Mm. Now, there are times when images come up related to the trauma, mm. but not really. Um, but it's not it's not something that's necessary. Okay. You know, sometimes as I say, sometimes images come up from the trauma, but yes. it's not necessary to remember the trauma. You know, mm. there are many approaches to trauma that I, I think are valuable. They have different mm. components for that. The one type that I don't uh feel is generally helpful is what's called prolonged exposure therapy. So that's where you have the person relive the trauma and over and over again with mm -hmm. the idea of draining the swamp. But it's mm -hmm. not about draining the swamp. It's mm -hmm. about completing our bodily responses and coming into the here and now. Right. You right. know, I, I call this titration because we just literally just touch into it. And we take at one small amount at a time so we're not overwhelmed. So again, mm -hmm. this is something that we can practice when something happens that's upsetting us. So mm. where do we feel that in the body? Mm. And, and then if you are aware of that and you also feel your hands and your feet, well, then you can move into that just enough for it mm -hmm. to shift. And I think that really is the key. Uh, I would say that <laughs> shift happens. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you're saying like, Let's say I'm triggered by something my wife said or something, you know, somebody said, and I'm like, ah, yeah. I used, should, should I not like go into it fully and, and, and experience it fully? Or should I just like in that moment, what do I do? I really want to, I want well, to, to, to give know, people some. A, yeah. If, that's a, a good point because if it's in a relationship and that's, yes. that's where the conflict has come up one of the things that I suggest mm. is when that happens to you mm. to just say, you know, something's really activating in me. Uh -huh. uh, I just need a few minutes just to be with myself so I can get back and be here and now with you. Oh, that's nice. And, yeah, exactly. And, and something like that, <laughs> it makes such a difference because then the person you are arguing with, is really supporting you, is really caring yeah. for you. Yes. And also to maybe do it and be there that way for each other. Mm -hmm. So there's a Motown song, it goes something like, it takes one to stand in the dark alone. It takes two to let the light shine through. Mm. And when we cooperate with each other, with our own healing and the healing of our partners, mm. um, that can make a big, big difference. Mm. You know, I, over the years, I've worked with a lot of people who have what sometimes is called burnout. Yes. And, you know, usually that comes from a very competitive environment. Uh, and 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 uh, an adversarial one rather than the cooperative one. 
So mm. work sometimes with organizations, I'll have them actually do some of these exercises and then be with each other. Because when you're in the here and now, our basic instincts are to connect with others. Uh, my friend Stephen Porges calls that um, the social engagement system. Mm. So mm. when that's operative, our drive is yeah. to cooperate, mm -hmm. not to be adversarials. Mm -hmm. Again, I think there's so many different applications for this mm -hmm. type of wisdom, this kind of inner knowing. Right. And I'm sure this is something that, I mean, I'm not the first person who, you know, made this discovery, I think, over the over the millennia. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, uh, people have had to deal with loss, with 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 trauma. It's somewhat different in this time, in this mm -hmm. epoch of, of time. But it's part of the human condition. Mm. And so people have had to find ways to deal with this throughout their entire lives so yeah. that they don't carry the trauma with them. You know, is, is, you know, I guess I'm curious, can all trauma be healed? Because maybe there's someone listening and they're like, yeah. Peter, there's so much shit I've dealt with in my life. I, I just, I don't know if, 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 if I can heal my trauma, like, like, is it possible? Is some trauma just too much to, to move through and, 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 and yeah. shift in this lifetime? Or is it possible for anyone with trauma to come to a place like of total peace? Yeah, I do believe that's true. Okay. Now, but sometimes it takes a, uh, some time working with a trained yes. therapist. Yes. So it, 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 and you know, over, as I say, over the past 50 years, I worked with people with all kinds mm. of, mm. and neglect and abuse. Mm. And, you know, when I, when I wrote the, the, my autobiography of trauma and autobiography of trauma, mm. I really went through on how I was able to release. Wow. Some of the traumas that happened to me mm. over the decades and um and uh the mafia had threatened our our family's lives because um wow. the, the the attorney general tried to get it's a long story to get him to testify against the mafia wow and so in order to secure his silence uh i was i putting these pieces together, I was raped by this group of thugs that probably were working for the mafia in a way to intimidate my parents of what to do. Wow. It's traumatic. And I was able to work that through. Wow. But the more difficult part was the fact that there was no sense of safety in the family unit. So I didn't feel that support. Mm. Again, it was important to get support from others so that I could un uncover this and work with it mm -hmm. i was having these different kinds of symptoms when i was starting to train people uh and chiron the wounded healer mm -hmm. it's time that i took a dose of my own medicine because i i had these symptoms and again in 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 uh, somatic experience we just don't go right for the mm -hmm. for the trauma and so even in writing the autobiography, I really reflected on a time when I did 
feel cared for, supported, and loved. Mm -hmm. The image that came up when I was about four years old, I think it was my fourth, four year old, fourth or fifth year old birthday. My parents must have snuck into the room at night and they laid tracks that went underneath my bed, out into the room, around, and then back underneath the bed again. And when I awoke, I woke to the sound of the train clacking along the tracks. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. I was super, I jumped out of bed. I went over to the transformer mm -hmm. and I could control the speed and make the horn go. And I could feel that in my body. So that sensation in my body, that feeling mm -hmm. in my body is mm -hmm. one of the things, along with the guidance, of course, with my, my student to help me move through this, this, pretty difficult trauma mm -hmm. and so and also feeling their their support which is what I didn't receive during that time because my family never talked about it and if they did it was in a cavalier kind of way mm -hmm. but we knew something was seriously wrong mm -hmm. we knew it mm -hmm. but again it's not having that port saying look uh, we're going to take care of you no matter what happens just some simple words like that yeah yeah beautiful like there's something that that you you triggered in my in my thinking when you say you know feeling that in your body mm -hmm. um they're, they're sort of like in the self-help industry you know you hear that like feel it in your body if you want to manifest it feel it in your body and so you know you go to self-help seminar rah rah <laughs> Rah, rah, you know, jump around. Yes, feel it in your body. Feel the motivation. Feel the inspiration. And so could you speak to or discern the difference? Because I'm wondering, like, there's there's some seminars, you know, 20 years ago when I'd go to motivational seminars, you know, people would be <laughs> feeling stuff in their body. But yeah, I mean, yeah. is that, like, that, 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 that doesn't sound like what you're talking about. And, and, oh. and, and that doesn't sound like just because someone is jumping around feeling good that, they're really healing and integrating into the body. Could you? No, I mean, jumping that? around and feeling good, that's great. But okay. In a way, that's analogous to my experience with the train. But um, they, they still have to do the work. Yes, yes. It's a good yes. platform. It's a good step. But it's not the whole story, not by mm. any means. Mm. Mm. You know, and I know uh, some of these things, uh, you know, have been quite popular. Uh, like, again, jumping around and yelling or... Mm -hmm running over you know a uh, hot coals hot coals <laughs> uh but that's not a i mean you maybe get a high from it yes but to really heal you have to go deeply inside and we really need the, the guidance you know again i had developed this method and i had taught it already to thousands of people and um but still I needed to do my own healing the work, yes, my work, my own work. And I think, yeah, nothing wrong with jumping around. Yes. Feeling more, more alive, huh. more sensation. But again, that's just the beginning. The beginning. It's just the beginning. What's, you know? what's, what, what's your guidance then? I would love to hear your perspective and your guidance on your honest thoughts around psychedelics. Mm. And as, as there's now a whole wave of, you yeah. know, ayahuasca and psychedelics yeah. and people, yeah, yeah. you know, going down this path. And yeah, yeah, sure. is it like, honestly, is it, is it helpful? Is it, is it, does it, is it truly heal? Is it, is it detrimental? 
you know, people are being blown open in these experiences. And what 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 are your thoughts? All of the above. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, um, you know, a, a, a person who came to to came to my age in the sixties. Uh, I mean, you know, there was a lot of use with uh, with uh, psychedelics, and you know. And psychic, one of the things I talk about again in my autobi- in my autobiography, is um, is promises and pitfalls mm-hmm. of how it's done. So I think we have to prepare somebody very carefully to do the journeying. Right. And for example, um, uh, uh, doing a session with their earphones on, listening to the music with their blinders for some hours and just working with what comes up mm, mm. as preparation. Then after the psychedelic session, it's important to continue to work with the body. Mm. So it becomes embodied. It's not just mm-hmm. something that's split off in the mind and has hallucinations and, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, so again, uh, you know, over, the, over my lifetime, I have used psychedelics for specific purposes. Mm. They've been mostly valuable. You know, there was, just thinking about this, there was this really uh, wonderful program, I think it was on Netflix, and it's called The Last Shaman. And it's about this young man who, um, who his, his parents care about him, you know, they provide for him, they support his education and so forth, but they lack warmth. Mm. And so he has this kind of overall depression that something's wrong, but he doesn't really know what, what it is. And mm. so he seeks to do a psychedelic experience, a ayahuasca experience. Mm-hmm. So he goes to this one shaman and he and another and another, and he realizes they're really about power and about money. So finally, he is in a remote, I think, a Peruvian uh, mountain village, and he meets the shaman, the last shaman, and uh, the shaman takes him under his wing, and he doesn't take money, and he doesn't, and he gives him a ritual to do for a month, and then there's a possibility then of doing the ayahuasca, but during this month. He's mm. with these people who are kind and warm mm. and and caring and supportive and, and and loving. And he does this ritual again in preparation and preparation and preparation. Mm. Finally, when he does do the journey, he's with this this community of of warm, warm, caring people. And um I think that's really in some ways is as important, maybe even more important than the psychedelic experience. Right. right. So again, the preparation, the after, uh, you know, uh, after following, and uh, and uh, and there's definitely it's it's, you know, it can be done too much too fast. Yes. Yes. That's why I think a preparation is so so important to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And in the movie, the boy doesn't say, you know, I'm f- completely free. Right. He's still dealing with some levels of, of his shutting down, his depression, mm-hmm. but it's much less. And he knows the next steps and takes some mm-hmm. of those next 
Beautiful. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, I re recently had a had a had a son, and he's uh, nine months old. Nine months. Oh, nine months. Rock, rock my world, full of just so full of light and mm -hmm. brightness. And I look at him, and you know, he feels like a, a manifestation of so much healing I've done energetically. And yeah. so, for parents listening, it's also a selfish question for me. How do we raise? What are you? What's your advice on raising a child to, mm -hmm. to with least trauma? You know, minimal trauma. I mean, well, actually, um, uh, my colleague Maggie Klein and I wrote a couple of books. About, yes, and one of the books is called "Trauma Proofing Your Kids." Yes, <laughs> parents', parents Guide for Instilling Confidence, Joy, and Resilience. Ah. Uh, you know, kids will have these scary moments we'll have these injuring moments uh -huh. you know they or wind up in the emergency room after mm. swallowing you know mm. a marble or something like that mm. and what we can do is we can again just support the child and they will act it out in play or in drawings mm. so just helping them feel inside mm. what's going on that mm. can make all the difference in the world and you have a nine-month-old well that is an amazing age because they're going from complete dependence to the very beginning of independence wow amazing. and you see they start you know because they're walking now and then starting to run and you can just enjoy their exuberance mm. i imagine that your child is someone at that age yeah. right now yeah but, you know, again, it, it, if we give the tools to the children, when they're children, they will take that with them. Mm. And ask, you know, well, can you do this on your own? Well, in a way, if you've had that support as a child, then you more apt to be able to do it mm -hmm. on your own at a later time in later childhood or even in adulthood. Mm. So the, the more, you know, there's a saying, without tools, trauma rules. And with tools, we can begin to put these things in the past where they belong. Mm -hmm. And again, that was my journey mm -hmm. and my motivation in writing an autobiography of trauma, a healing journey, my healing journey, because I really believe that with some of the tools that we can muster, that we are so much more resilient. Yes so much more connected, so much more empathetic and compassionate mm. for our to ourselves, but also to others. And the world could use a big dose about that. Mm. And uh, I mean, you just have to turn on the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. Okay, fi final final question, then, then I wanna um, see how people can connect with you and your work. Sure. If you were to, to, to reflect on everything you've been through, and I'm very excited about reading your autobiography now. Um, I'm very, I'm curious, I'm inspired, I'm excited. Oh, thank um, you. But if you were to reflect on everything you've been through, and I know it might be difficult and you've shared a lot, but if you were to, let's say, extract the three, the three most important lessons that if you could only pass these mm pearls of wisdom to the next generation like this is what i feel would evolve the next generation the most i'm curious what what you would pass on to you know your children my children grandchildren like your three peter levine codes well i think the main message would be hey trauma is a fact of life that's the 
That's the news. It is a fact of life. The good news is it does not have to be a life sentence. Oh. That we can learn to heal and can even heal in community. Mm. That's one of the things I've learned in, in talking to shamans from different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. How important it is, not just the individual, because we're a very much individualistic society. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that has certain benefits. I mean, without that, I probably wouldn't have a computer and a mm -hmm. But it's not the whole story. Yes. And um, so again, the healing in community, bringing mm -hmm. together in a way like-minded, like feeling people, mm -hmm. uh, would be one of the things that would that I would say. And the other thing is to become curious about what's going on inside of you. This is sometimes called interception. What are you feeling in your guts? What are you feeling in your heart? If you attend to that, will that change? Will it become less distressing? So again, to not go right into the trauma, but to touch into the sensations and feelings and thoughts and images that are associated mm. with those sensations, with mm. those feelings. Mm -hmm. So again, to once we have the experience of doing it, it's with us. It's mm -hmm. always going. It's always with us. So that was another thing that I guess I would say is important. Beautiful. And the other thing I think that's important is that we um, we seek support hmm. in our suffering. That we're not suffering alone. Alone. You know, that's kind of where I started with um, trauma. Is not so much or not just what happened to us. Mm. rather what we hold inside in our yeah. bodies mm. in absence of that em that present empathetic other mm. so again to uh to uh again at times of crisis hopefully you'll have the benefit of like the woman who came up to me when i was hit by the car mm. Mm. and um sh uh, she was uh, she was a godsend yeah yeah. yeah but again if we if this is something that we we uh we share in community then i think the healing uh goes deeper yes yes beautiful and it not okay. again, it's not just our own individual suffering yeah you know i uh, i could say very very briefly uh i went to visit uh the the uh a tribe in pretty remote areas of brazil wow and this is the Kranaki people. And uh, when I went to see the, the chief, you know, I asked him if he knew about chustus. Hmm. And chustus is a Portuguese word for fright paralysis, in other words, for trauma. Hmm. And so uh, I, we, I mean, we were hiking for hours in the hot sun, hmm. finally arrived there. He could see I was just sweating. So they just made, put a pipe in a rock so where there was a water spring. And so he just took me there and let me go underneath the water. Mm -hmm. Very good thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. And then he uh, he I, I, he asked me why I came. And I, again, I said, because I was interested in Shustus and how you work with it as a, as a shaman. Mm -hmm. And he basically, he, he said, come with me. And we sat outside you know, on a bamboo uh, mat underneath the uh, mango tree. Mm. And he had uh, some flutes. 
and he started to play the flutes, the wooden flutes. And I asked him, is it okay if I play with you? And he said, that's what they're there for. Uh-huh. So I took it up and I started to play and then I really settled. Mm. And then he, when I asked him, he, he, he knew of Shustus. He said he even knew because his daughter, the princess, was the first one to really get an education, a Western education. And uh, she told him about the word trauma. So he said, yes, I know about trauma. Mm. But he said very clearly, trauma is not just what happens to us, but the, the, the breakdown in the community. Mm. Mm. And there was wow. a woman, yeah, yeah. There was a woman that um, she was, she had diabetes. She, so it was a high risk pregnancy and she had twins. Mm. So they were in the hospital in the in the nearest town which again was some hours away and um both of the uh, both of the the babies died mm. and so she was in a profound depression mm. and they wanted to do shock therapy mm. so uh, you know his daughter told them what that was so a group of them went out at night with a ladder went up to the window where she her room and mm. took her down and brought her back into the community. Mm. And they would do these wonderful movement, uh, drumming. Uh, I, you know, when they showed that to me, mm. I, just within a few moments, you were in a different state of consciousness, an altered state. Mm. And she was just sitting on the side. Her body just showed, you know, sunken depression. But at one time, again, she was not excluded. She wasn't made to be included, but she was included. And one time that some of the people in the tribe started to have tears and cry. And then she started to have tears and cry. And then she came into the group and continued with those rituals. Mm. So I really see the wisdom of what he says that we really need to be together in groups. Yeah. So, yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think of our culture today, where especially in the West, we're so separated and oh, yeah, divided, exactly. and even you know, COVID, and even more divided. And so, well, yeah, and 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 the social media, especially social media. young. Yes, that's yes. really, um, you yes. know, it's pretty horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, okay, I know we're coming. Thank to you, the- thank thank you for just sharing yourself so generously. And folks, you heard the three keys from the amazing Peter Levine. Uh, Peter, where where Tell us about the book, Autobiography of Trauma, and uh, also where people can get the book yeah. and, and how okay. can people get in right. touch with you and find out about well, your We do have a website. It's called somaticexperiencing.com. And it also links with the, the Somatic Experiencing Training Institute. Yes. SEI. Uh, but it tells all of the events that are going on. And one event that's coming up, I think it's February 29th, March for a second, third, it's an immersion uh, conference. Mm. And what I mean by immersion is usually if you go to a conference, you have parallel, you have workshops and you yep. choose one and so forth. This one starts with the uh, some of the leading people in the field, mm-hmm. Bessel van der Kolk and uh, Gabor Mate and myself. Wow. Uh, and then other people who are from different ethnic backgrounds and, wow. you know, and, uh, have, have are the younger people mm. so each day we'll have a, a trajectory of the the grandfathers <laughs> and then the youngsters 
Mm. And then there's also the possibility to arrange for doing uh, an individual session with one of the somatic experiencing uh, therapists. So it's, and, and that, all that information is on the somatic experiencing one word.com. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, autobiography of trauma. Uh, thank you for asking about that. That can be gotten now on Amazon and I assume Bonja and Noble. Yep. And uh, you, you, you can get the pre-release. It actually is beneficial because it helps uh, put, you know, the, the book on a, on a different, or on an algorithm. Yep. And so, but anyhow, you can just click on it. And then in the spring, early spring, then it will be released to bookstores if there are any left. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it, again, it's called An Autobiography of Trauma, A Healing Journey. Mm. And uh, again, I hope that this also motivates the reader to tell their story, mm. to even if it's just for themselves, just to mm. themselves, mm. to do that as a way of connecting their trajectory in their own healing processes. Mm. Beautiful. Folks, you heard it. Check out uh, An Autobiography of Trauma. Uh, it's coming out this spring. You can get on Amazon or wherever your retailers are. Right. Uh, Pre-order the book. Yep, support right. the book. It'll be. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm very excited to read this book. So I'm going to get a copy, folks. Let me know uh, when you get your copy. Also. Uh, oh yeah. You can, sorry, I was just going to say you can. Uh, Melissa can tell you. Uh, all right, to connect with the inner traditions, so um, they can send you a copy of the book. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And then also, folks, uh, somaticexperiencing.com. We're going to put all of Peter's links into the show notes. I highly encourage you to check out his amazing work. He's, in my eyes, a legend, a pioneer. We're, okay. blessed, to we're blessed to have you on the planet, Peter. Thank you so much. And you, for... gonna be, uh, and you I'm sure, are a wonderful dad. Uh, thank See you. See that in it's, your smile. In it's, your... The it's the highlight of my life, honestly. It's the highlight Absolute, of my life. Absolutely. Uh, so, folks, send me an email, kubblackson at kubblackson.com. I'd love to hear your key takeaways from today's episode. Send this episode to everyone in your life that you love, and we'll catch you next week in another episode of Soul Talk. Love okay. Now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.